When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I hate Mondays. Why is that? Oh, it's just, I think everybody does. I feel like that's a universal thought. I don't think I know anybody that. I guess, up. I guess my question is, why do you hate Mondays? Because Monday is no different than Saturday or Wednesday for you. Honestly? Well, you, you never took care of the kids. So, so I guess you wouldn't. What do you. <laughs> What are you trying to say? I guess you, I guess you wouldn't know what a, a Monday morning, a Monday morning school day looks like. <laughs> yeah, you're probably true. Oh, you're probably oh, right. Just, just uh, it's just busy weekend, you know. And then you, and then you wake up Monday, and I have I have Brody, so you know it's like. And I'm an early riser to begin with, but just some days it's like 6 a.m., 6.15, alarm goes off, and I'm just kind of like, oh, my God. I just wish it was Sunday with nothing to do, <laughs> you know? If you're 10 years old or 12 years old and you want, I mean, these kids have a world of knowledge about all these professional athletes. Yeah, and they're true. able to look it up and I think build their curiosity from there and start practicing these fancy moves that they do at a younger age. Why, they can, why do you they, think these kids are doing this? Yeah. You watch it once. Like we talk about the Michigan. Okay. The Michigan happened by a Michigan player. What, what, what date was that? Do you remember? I don't know. It's like 1996, it maybe early to early 2000s. You would think? No, no. It was like 1996. Okay. 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 So, that would have been basically when I just started playing in the NHL. Do you know that throughout my entire NHL career, there's not one time, not one time that I watched a player. And now I retired in 2011. There's not one time that I watched anybody. I mean, Thomas Vanek, Derek Roy. There's not one player that I played with. Mike Legg, 1996. That's right. 1996. There's not one player that I watched throughout my my time playing this game of hockey. There's not one single player that was doing the Michigan on a regular basis in practice. Not one, not one single guy. A lot of guys could though. You play with Kovalev, he could have done it one handed. Uh he 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 could have, but I didn't see him doing it. It nope. wasn't a regular thing in practice where he was practiced scooping a puck up and flipping it in the top well, corner. Why didn't I don't why didn't guys do it? Tell me why didn't guys do it, Craig? Well, I well, I know where you're going with. No, 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 no. Right just, away, just, I know where. No, no, you're no, going. no, no, no. I'm not. I, I'm not changing. There's no criticism coming to the game today or anything. But just tell me why players. The didn't players do it. were very different people. The, even the star Frank, players right understood. There. Understood. You remember the Datsuk goal? Remember the Datsuk goal yes. when he came in and he kind of he went faked in, faked left, faked left, it but then back. pulled it on his backhand. Yes. Remember he pulled it back on his yes. backhand while going yes. to the others. 
The next day, we played Juice Boy in practice. This is my rookie year in Buffalo. That's what year that happened. Okay. okay. Might have been my second year. So it might have been 05, 06, depending. It might have been a shootout goal that he scored. I think it was a shootout goal, but it might have also been a breakaway. Either way, I go in. We go in for Juice Boy. I try that move. Okay. The very next day, and I'm getting absolutely shredded by the boys. I can remember JP Dumas going, oh, Datsuk, not even close, not even close. Guys didn't try those moves because, number one, the coach would have said, stop doing that shit. You're not, you're not pulling that shit off in a game. You're not trying that in a game, right? So don't do it in practice. You would get absolutely abused verbally by your players, your teammates. And then, number one, numero uno, most terrified person you don't want to piss off in doing that, Don Cherry. You made yeah. Sidney Crosby pulled that move off in Ramuski when he was playing in the queue. They showed yep. the highlight on Hockey Night in Canada. Don Cherry absolutely shredded him. Yeah, but did, is that right? I think like Don, I think the Don mindset Cherry around hockey. I, I think the mindset around hockey and the and the um the testosterone behind the game and the the you do that to us and embarrass us will beat the shit out of you mindset scared skill skilled players away from being more creative i think it took a lot of creativity away from players now no one's getting their head taken off for trying fancy moves probably better for yeah. the game well the, the like skilled players back when when we played or me much earlier than you um the skilled players were just the more skilled players. They were better skaters. They had much better hockey IQ. They were they were dynamic in the way that they played the game at a super fast level, able to make plays, saucer pucks, just as straightforward, like the Stevie Eisman's, the Joe Sackicks, the players like that in in my era were just incredible players. Much far beyond the normal player in the league. The skilled players of today, they're just different. There's a different dynamic to them. I'm going well, to the tell game's you, they, different. They, they're all, you don't think the game could have been that way back then? No. Like, no, I don't. I don't. Because you, I'm going to tell you, you why. Think Alex Kovalev, and I use him as an example because you played against him. And, and if you yeah, watch, you're putting you're putting one player out on a pedestal and sticking him there. There was very, very, very few players like Alex Kovalev. Okay, uh, well, it's funny. I'm going to another Russian, but even a Pavel Bure. Like, do you yeah. remember some of the goals he scored on a breakaway? Like, do you remember yes. the one where he dropped it into his feet and then kicked it back to his forehand and put it around the goalie's pad? I mean, yep. yeah, those were moves that all started this kind of generation or transition of, let's look at the age of the players that are doing mm -hmm. this now. You know, that's... That's what? That's in the mid-90s. You got the Mike yep. Lego. It was the mid-90s where players you got to realize to something the envelope though. a little bit when it comes to creativity. Players got, they got uh, ridiculed for it, but I think it sparked that initial interest with the younger generation who wouldn't get ridiculed for trying stuff like that. The younger generation has completely taken off in a sense that the skill set of these young players are completely off the chart. Now, where the game has developed is not just Trevor Zegras doing these incredible 
moves, which it seems like there's a ton of players right now that have the ability to do these things where the game has completely taken off is the third and fourth lines and the fourth, uh, fifth and sixth defensemen are completely different nowadays than what they were back when I played. That's the difference of the game. You take the best players that go up against Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux back in the day, there are only two pairs of defense on a team that can that can go on the ice against Mario Lemieux. If you had the fifth and sixth defense pair, like the third pair, go on the ice with Mario Lemieux, there was a goal being scored. That is it, period. End of story. If you have even the, the first third pair. pair defenseman, if you have the third pair defenseman, it was almost a hundred percent that there was going to be a goal scored. If you go out against Stevie Eisman and and you have Fedorov yeah. on the, it was uh, back when last change really meant something. Exactly. Now go and look at the third pair defenseman in the NHL. Riley Stillman and Riley Stillman and Ilya Labushkin on the Sabers, for example. And Listen, then you can you can put them out there against anybody. Anybody. I, you they might get them. hemmed in their own end. They might get a little yep. cycle action done. They might get a shot against, but doesn't mean it's not a guaranteed goal against. Like you're like, oh my god, this guy's a, got the mobility of a fucking battleship. Yes, these the, the 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 players in this league nowadays are just fantastic, and and we can transition right into the Stanley Cup Finals, and you look at. You look at, for an example, the Vegas Golden Knights, and you look at their fourth line. When you look at, when you go back for years and years, Petey, you always think that the fourth lines, if you have a good fourth line, then your team is really, really good. And you look at the fourth line in Vegas right now with with Waugh, Polisar, and uh, Will Carrier, this line is incredible. They're big, they're strong, they're fast, they're making skilled hockey plays. They are not easy to play against, and they're very skilled for a fourth line. And it's awesome to watch. It's really, really awesome to watch. But the you know skill what? set of this generation of player, right from their from the first player to the last player, is is very close, a lot closer than what it was back. 20 years ago when you had you know the top players in the league were stratospheres above the worst player in the league you know i spent a, a vast majority of my hockey playing days trying to prove people wrong you know ah you won't make it i you know and and there's no better feeling than when you do that so i always find guys on teams that were super long shots that just get a chance to give the ultimate fuck you and i don't want vegas to win but William Carrier, I remember when he was traded away from the Sabres, and s there were a couple without. But they had names. to trade him away, correct? Yeah, let me. No, he let was me... traded. I think I can't remember how he got traded. What didn't Vegas take him in the expansion draft and something else to avoid taking? Maybe Linus Allmark. Uh, yes, it was something to do with the goaltender. I think it was Linus Allmark. Yeah. I can't remember the terms and how he ended up there, but I just, I remember, I remember someone saying two media members, doesn't matter. He's never going to play in the league anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
And I just was like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't, I wasn't on the, the show at the time with them to challenge them on it, but I definitely remember bringing it up. But the one thing I was going to say about Keegan Colsar is that I love the era that he's playing in because he actually gets to show his skill and ability. Because if he was playing in the nineties, he'd be just, he'd be a tough guy. He'd be a fourth line. He'd be used as a tough guy. I think he's, and he gets, to, he's so good. That line is so effective. If they yeah. win, they're going to be a massive piece to that puzzle. That's how that's how important the fourth line is to a team. We've talked about that fourth line all year long, all year yeah. long. And listen, I mean, they they understand the roles. It's the biggest thing. Any idea how uh, how many goals Will Carrier had this year? Don't look. Any idea how many goals he had? He played fifty six games this year. How many goals did he have? Fifty six. Don't look him up. Don't look. You're cheating. I can see you glancing on your other screen. He had 16. I'm looking goals. right at you. 16? 1 6. 16 goals. Will Carrier had 16 goals this year? Billy Carrier had 16 no goals and really? nine assists. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, never... good for him. Hey. He'll never play in the NHL. Guy was a second. Was he a second rounder? Second round pick. Yeah. Second round. Well, he's pick. the he's the perfect energy player. He's the perfect size player in the way that he you know he's a big man, six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. He skates really well. He's making hockey plays. Like this lines looked awesome throughout the playoffs, and he makes one point four million dollars. One point four million dollars. I mean, might be one perfect. of the best contracts in the league with his performance. I don't know about that, but okay. I mean, he's he's a he's a damn good addition to a team that is very very that has a lot of highly skilled players, right? You have to add sandpaper to to this type of team. How do you think Florida's feeling today? Do you feel like Game One was even, or did you feel like Vegas was? the better team maybe not the the far better team but the better team well let's let's start with the first thing that you said did you did you have a, a chance to watch paul maurice he you can just tell that this is a very very veteran coach that deep down inside i think that there is there is some anxiety to to what happened in game one okay i think that he understands that the series is not won and lost in game one so to sit there and tell his his group okay because after two periods of hockey these two teams were tied okay this was a teeter-totter game this could have gone either way it ended up going the way of uh vegas in this game i felt that vegas was the better team yeah i felt the entire game when the game was tied at 2-2 or 1-1 i felt very very uncomfortable for vegas you know in in my house right now there's quite a divide the all my my boys are cheering for florida and i'm cheering for vegas so, you know, right now, it that's that's the way I felt. I felt that Vegas played very well. Um 
Are you cheering for Vegas because you don't want to see Florida win after trading your cousin, which is an emotion I completely understand? Uh, No. Okay. Your cousin's got to be fucking losing his marbles. I'm sorry. To, I'm not trying to pour salt in a wound. Yeah, but I mean, listen. I mean, the the I I think the way I think the way he looks at it, you know. Listen, I mean, he just won a gold medal, okay, with Canada. Missed the playoffs in Calgary. Um, they started slow. There's no question about it. But he had a solid season. Uh, I talked with him. He he enjoyed himself in Calgary. I think they feel that they have a solid team there that, that need to tinker around with the roster a bit. But uh, I think if Calgary got in, Calgary. in, if Calgary got in, I'm not saying he's not happy in Calgary. I'm just yeah. saying it's got to make him sick to his stomach to watch his old team that he got traded from one year later. Yeah. You yeah. See, I remember that. our conversation when you got traded to Buffalo. Yeah. San Jose was, was the best team in the league by far. It was San Jose in the West. Boston in the East. Yeah. Okay. And I remember you said verbatim, I can't remember where we were, but we were out at dinner somewhere on the road. And you said, if the San Jose Sharks win the Stanley Cup this year, I'm going to fucking puke. Yeah. Listen, think, it, going uh, back to going back to Mac, you know, listen, I mean, he's got 50 million reasons not to give a shit about what happens in Florida anymore. I understand that. I wasn't trying to. That's the way I look at it, right? I I mean, I'm sure that he's pretty happy where he's at. Did he love Florida? He loved Florida. This emotion's normal, Craig. Like, Matty Ellis got traded from Detroit to L.A. That's right, yeah. The year they Detroit won the Stanley Cup, I think it was in 08, right? (laughs) So it's like, like, think about those sick feelings. Like, like, uh, Marianne Hossa goes from losing the Stanley Cup final in Pittsburgh to jumping ship and going to Detroit and then losing to Pittsburgh in the final. Do you remember that? Yes. So it I mean these are the these are the natural emotions. Like when I went to Jersey, we had a really good team, but you guys won the division. And you had Ryan Miller in net and he just won MVP at the Olympics and I was like if the Buffalo Sabres win the Stanley Cup I mean, I don't want to steal your words and say I'm going to puke, but I mean, I'm like, I'm thinking I'm going to pass out, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that with the guys. That's what you, that's what everyone talks about. People that are listening are probably wondering why I'm picking Vegas wondering over why. Florida. I was wondering and, why. And you asked the same thing. Does this have anything to do with your cousin Uyghur? And I said, no, I'm going to tell you right now. It's based off one thing. I've I've always respected what what Vegas and how they they picked their expansion team, how they went about doing it. You know, they'd done a really good job over the last number of years, okay, putting this team together. I can't stand. Now listen to this. I can't stand watching Matthew Kachuk and his mouth guard. That's why? Yep. Because I don't give a flying rat's ass who wins this, but I cannot stand. I think there needs to be a penalty. If you have your mouth guard out of your mouth, you should be in the box for two minutes. I'm telling you this. Mouth guards aren't mandatory, are they? 
They don't give a shit. And they're not mandatory in the NHL. I don't know why he does it either. Pat Kane's done it his whole career. He's I don't... sitting there face washing guys and being a complete shit ball and just being a like, listen, if I played with them, I'd love them. Okay. I'd love them, but I don't play with them. And I don't, I don't like how he plays. He is a rat. He's a really good rat. He really knows what he's doing. Because I'm at home and I'm pissed off. I can't imagine what the guys on Vegas. And not, let me tell you something. Watching game one, Cassidy has sat down in the dressing room with every person on this team. And one of the biggest, most important things that he has said to his group is we cannot react off of Matthew Kachuk or any after the whistle bullshit. A little plug to the show there too, eh? What's that? A little plug to the show there too. Uh, any shit after the whistle. Yeah. Like, do you understand? Have you watched? I watched the game. I could not believe how disciplined as a unit this Vegas team was watching hag that goes in to help out at the end of the game, the game, the game's over Kachuk's doing his thing, punching him in the face. You've got guys face washing all the guys on Vegas. What did Vegas do? Vegas pulled their guys away Hags in the middle. He's got a guy with an arm around his face, face washing him. You've got Kachuk who's punching him. And he, and, and I'm going to tell you, that kid's a tough kid. He, in regular season, he'd be tearing people's heads off. But not in this situation. I guarantee you that this coach has had a, 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 the most important thing about this series is the discipline in which Vegas is going to react to the shit that Florida is going to try and put at them. The Bennett, okay? The the cousins, the little rat cousins. You got the ultra ultimate rat in 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 Kachuk and Vegas were composed. They kept their composure. They took the punches in the face. They took the face washes. They didn't get even. They walked out of there with a win. And that's all that matters. I think I can come up with more reasons that I would rather have Vegas win than just Matt Kachuk's mouth guard, but uh totally acceptable answer. Don Luce's son, um, Scott Luce is the director of amateur scouting there. So I've known him for a lot of years. He's another reason why I would love to see Vegas win. Um Do you have any do you have any feeling at all about Jack Eichel? I mean this when I say it for him uh, I would love to see him win because I can't imagine what that would mean for him with the neck and the situation in Buffalo that's always going to bother him it's always going to affect him he can win a cup and move on and have a make a ton of money and have a glorious career but it's always going to affect him how things went in Buffalo because it's a, it's always going to be a, 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 a blip on the radar for him. 
and yeah. right or wrong. I don't think it will define him. It's not going to define who he is. I mean, he's got years of playing and I mean, lots of players have acted certain ways and changed their ways in the middle of their career. And they've gone on to have phenomenal career. I can, <laughs> I can name you a dozen right now. I can name you a dozen and they're not all stars, but I can name you a dozen players because I've thought about this, but we're talking about Jack after everything fair. What fair? I think it's fair that Jack Eichel in his first year of eligibility to play in the playoffs. I think Connor McDavid must be just losing his fucking marbles too. Like you have, you have Jack Eichel who's eight years in the NHL (laughs) eight. Yeah. This is his very first opportunity to play in the playoffs. He's got 20 points in 18 games right up his right up his alley cuz he he's a he's a high-end player. He's played very well. Supported by a very good hockey team. He's 3 wins away from winning something that is so insanely hard to win. Is it fair? Like how is the fan base in the in Sabres land? Are they going to be are they going to be happy for Jack Eichel? Or are there going to be a lot of people super upset with Jack Eichel? I don't know. Maybe just being different. I, I don't know. I, mean, I think people like... need to realize the Jack Eichel era in Buffalo. I just want to ask the, the fan base. As much as Jack at times did not deal with certain situations well, he was also a very young kid. Okay. Very young kid. But was he supported? By the Sabres organization the right way? Yeah, I don't want to build around him. I don't I don't want to go down this path at all. At all. I'd rather talk about how what Alex Tuck is wondering or how he's thinking and feeling. I know he's happy here. I know he's loving it here. He had he had a career year here. Things look bright here. But you think this is what he wants to see too? Remember, you watch the highlights, and I'm not trying to pour salt in the wound, but the reality is the reality. You watch the highlights of the Stanley Cup playoffs and the highlights of Vegas that they showed the other night, and the and the, the guys the key moments. What's one of the what's one of the highlights that popped up? That save by Braden Holtby on Alex Tuck. I think it was in game five or six. I don't think it wins them the cup, but I think it puts them up in the series. I can't remember. But the save wasn't like game one, period one. It was like a massive save at a crucial time of a game. Yep. And now here's the guy that he gets traded for, Jack Eichel. They missed the playoffs year one. Great. But now, the first full year removed from the team. First full season away. He's out of the playoffs. Jack Eichel and the Vegas Golden Knights are three wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. Peyton Krebs might not have the same kind of emotion because he wasn't as as key of a piece on that team. Well, he wasn't even on the team. Barely, yeah. He was on the team, but he wasn't on the team. He was still scratching and clawing his way on the team. Tuck was was a key piece on that team. So it's it's just this is just these are the emotions that people don't realize are still going on for players that aren't even playing in the playoffs 
Like they're like Con- like I just mentioned Connor McDavid. Like you don't think he looks and sees Jack Eichel, who he is fifty times better than. And Jack goes to the playoffs one time, and he's in the he's three wins away from winning the cup. Connor yep. McDavid's entire legacy comes down to winning his one Stanley Cup. Well, let he me ask to, you this: He has you to win. Jack one. Eichel, who's on the road, let's just say he's in in Dallas. Okay, Vegas Golden Knights are in Dallas. What's your thought when Jack Eichel gets up? He goes down to breakfast. Okay, he's probably sitting with a couple uh, guys off the team, and. What what do what do, what do players do? Probably go on your phone. You're checking scores from the night before. And let me ask you: Do you think that Jack Eichel had an eye on what was happening in Buffalo throughout the season? Yes. Do you think that he was keeping an eye on Tage Thompson throughout the season? Yes. How could he not? Tage Thompson had 94 points and 47 goals. Jack Eichel never came close to that. Do you not think that throughout the season, he was watching Alex Tuck and what he was doing, a player that he got traded for? Absolutely. All these things, I guarantee you, um, you know, I'm sure Jack Eichel were motivating is very factors happy. for Jack? Uh, I think, I think, um, I think that he would have kept up on what's happening in Buffalo because deep down inside, this is where he started his NHL career, drafted second overall. And he made a lot of great friends here. Okay. A lot of people in this city loved him. It just did not work out. And for me, people are going to sit there and say, I can't believe you're cheering for Vegas. Jack Eichel's on that team. And my thought is Jack Eichel hopefully learned from some of the mistakes and learned from some of the things that he went through as a very young man here in Buffalo. Because when watching him on the ice, he is more of a complete hockey player now than when I've ever watched him in in all of years he's played. He's eight years in. This guy is not just an offensive powerhouse this guy's a two-way center. Well, he's he's learned how to he's learned how to play hockey. He's learned how to play hockey. Yeah. Things that when I watched him when he was 18, 19, and 20, I used to literally want to gouge my eyes out because he didn't know how to play defense. He was he was so dominant as a young player, as a kid, when he grew up when he was 13, 14, 15, he shredded his own age group. Like, I mean, there's you couldn't play against him. That's how good he was. Okay. And watching him go to, for an example, go to Boston at 17 years old, Boston University, and him having, what, 72 points? 72 points, which is unheard of, unheard of for a 17-year-old freshman D1 hockey player. It's unheard of. He didn't have to play defense. Had the puck on a stick the entire game, and he went on offense. But when he hit the NHL, He's playing against the best players in the world that were bigger, stronger, faster, and he struggled on on one side of the ice and flourished on the other because he was that good offensively. But watching him play right now, watching him back check, watching him be in the right position, man, has he has his game evolved? Well, you it, you 
you brought up Tage. And I just want to transition to a quick Sabres conversation here for a minute before we get out of here, unless there's something else. But, I mean, there's there's some other notes. Like Cole Caulfield just signed as we're doing this show. If I was him, I wouldn't take a dime under eight and a half. No, I don't think it's that much. Oh. It's like seven. Uh, Underpaid then. Oh, no, eight-year deal. Eight years, 7.85. How much is Nick Suzuki making? I I think he would be right there. Um, I got it right here. I got it right here. I'm racing you. Nick Suzuki. No, you didn't. Seven point eight seven five. Oh, so they did a Tage Thompson, uh, Dylan Cousins type thing. Dylan yeah. Cousins. Yeah, it's interesting. So my saber point was. Um, Tage Thompson's name keeps coming up here. Um, someone came up to me the other day, yesterday, actually, and said, hey, love the show. Obviously, they start with that. Whether Has anyone need- ever come up to you and say the show sucks? Well, that, I'd, lo- I'd love it if that happened. It just, it just, I, would, I would probably turn to the person and say, I really appreciate the honesty. In fact, actually, that's not true. Someone came up to me the other day and said I was introduced to them like hey love the show big fan of the show I don't agree with all your takes but I love the show and I was like oh okay well thanks for the honesty um not all my takes are mine you know sometimes I just have to you know feed Craig a little bit just to get the fire burning but someone said to me they're like hey Sabres going after Austin Matthews I'm like what he goes yeah H Thompson for Austin Matthews who says no Matthews for Thompson. Then I stopped for a second. I said, if I'm the Sabres, I'm not making that deal. I wouldn't trade Tage Thompson for Austin Matthews straight up, even if they were making the same money. I'm on now. I'm dead serious. Stop. Oh man, I'm dead serious. come on. I'm dead serious. So that would be the only deciding factor. If Cage Thompson's making seven point, what is he? One, one, four. Well, put and Tage Austin Tom- Matthews making, Tage Thompson right now 11. he's making 11, six. Put Cage Thompson at 11 something. Put him at 11 and Matthews at 11, six. Who are you taking? Hold on. Stop for a second. Austin Matthews is probably going to sign for $13 million. He's going to sign a long-term deal in Toronto. It's going to be $13 million. I would never sign him to that. If I were okay, Toronto, let's I'd just let, say $12 million. Let's say if he's I were going Toronto, to get the same I, as- I'd let him play a year and then let him walk. <laughs> Take that money and buy somebody else. Buy two players. Okay. Um. If if he's making twelve million dollars and Tage Thompson's making seven point one four, take a Tage a thousand times over. But if they're making the same amount of money, look me in the eye and tell me that I'm that you can honestly say I would a hundred percent take take Austin Matthews a hundred percent hundred. You think he's that much better? Absolutely, yes. Uh, yes, I, I Riv. I, I one year ago, Petey. One year ago, he had 110 points and 60 goals 
we were talking about him and and who's better mcdavid or matthews i don't know it's 1a 1b we were talking about a 1a 1b player in the nhl that's what we were talking about one calendar year ago when we were talking about austin matthews so is now, my austin com- matthews is my comment- shit the bed this year now hold on he had a, a terrible is- year and only scored 40 goals and 85 points well you're viewing it as a, as my comment being an indictment on matthews when really it's a testament and a compliment to tage that he has taken his game to that level and i think tage has exploded so much i'm not saying matthews is here and coming down yeah he had an off year but he's still austin matthews he didn't score a bunch at the start of the year. Then he went on fire. So it's like, all I'm saying is, with where Tage's game has gone and where Matthews' game is, Matthews' game is what it is. It is what it is, and that's he's, and it's fantastic. But he's 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 at his plateau, and his plateau is dominant. Tage has reached Matthews' plateau. But he has so much more. Like, I was sitting there thinking, if Tage Thompson puts in a summer of work like he's never put in before and gets so much stronger, uh, not even bigger, but so much stronger and becomes so much more, even more of a force while holding on to the puck, I'll take him all day, every day over Austin Matthews. I'm not going to go and say McKinnon and... and, uh, uh, McDavid or McCarr, but I mean, I am going maybe, maybe not even Pasternak because Pasternak has been doing it for so long. But Tate Thompson's in the top top ten players in the NHL right now. I uh, th- and and I only came to this realization. Is he? Oh yeah, is Tate Thompson in the top six, ten? Seven. Oh. He's fucking six seven. Care. He's six. That's, Come on, let's uh, that's get dis- you on here. Like he's going to tell you that it's not about the size. It's not about the size. It's not. But when you have that kind of size and skill of a goddamn yeah. water bug, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and I honestly can say that I would not trade Matthews for Thompson straight up if they were making the same thing. Oh, you're Sorry crazy to because uh, okay, let's just talk about Tage Tom. Just just I I don't want to beat beat this beat this down but how many times has tage thompson scored 40 goals well once oh okay good um how many years have been in the league 38 the year before so i mean it's like how many splitting hairs what is that 38 goals what do you mean splitting hairs well it's like how many times has he scored 40 goals how many how many years has he been in the league really only a few well what's a few Five, six. Uh, I mean, three. Really? I mean, do you want to count the up and down, the twenty games here, the eighteen games there, whatever he had? Or when he do you first got just... to Buffalo, he played sixty some games. Petey. So he's been. This is his. Well, okay. So then he had the the year where he played one game. Okay, that's so that's not a the, year. That's not well, a year. He was in the NHL, but that's not a year. Then the next one year game he is not a... 38, 38 games due to COVID. And then the next year he played seventy eight and seventy eight. So played forty one games. So, so four five years, years, you'd say five, four or five, five years, years, four years. Austin Matthews in seven years in the NHL has scored forty. Has scored uh, five seasons of forty plus goals. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine. 
His down year, the worst year he's had. The fuck was is he playing with? Who's he playing with? Oh. Tate, Tate Thompson just got some, just got a, a line last year. He just got on a line, and it took a trade of a megastar, and it took an injury to Casey Middlestad for him to even get that chance. So he just got on a fucking line last year, and look what he did. And then he was on the same line this year, and look what he did. So. I mean, it's very easy. It's very easy to say, you know, like Matthews is is better. He, it's very easy to say that. But you, but when I said splitting hairs, he missed four games last year when he scored thirty eight. He could have easily had a couple goals in four games. So could he easily had no goals? He well could easily had no goals. I mean, just like this year, he missed another four games and missed fifty. The reality by three. is, he's played in the NHL for a number of years. He's got one 40-goal year, one 30-goal year. He has no 20-goal years. Does he have any in the teens? Any goals in the teens, Petey? Well, uh, the year he played 38 games, he had eight goals. So, I mean, he okay, was so he has for, no goals in the teens, for no goals 20. in the 20s. One well, how goal... About- how about goals yeah, what per I'm game? Saying. Austin Matthews came into the league at 19 years old, scored 40 goals. The next year, he had 34 goals in 62 games. He had 20 games that he didn't play. You think he would have scored four go- or six goals in 20 games? I think so. Well, there's another 40-goal season. Then he, then he follows it up with another average year. 68 games played, he has 37 goals. Do you think he would have scored 40 that, goal, that year if he would have played 82? Yes, he would have. 40, 47, 41, 60, and 40. Guy's a goal-scoring machine. The guy is super insanely elite. No offense to Tage Thompson. I think he's awesome. I think he is one of the most fun guys to watch in the NHL right now, especially last year in the way that he played. But if you have a chance to, and this is just having fun and playing games, but if you have a chance at the same amount of money to trade Austin Matthews for Tage Thompson, come on, you got to take Austin Matthews. He has just been an absolute freak since he's come into the league at 19. Okay. Okay. So anyway. Okay. Well, you know, the injury factor comes into play too. Tage has had some injuries. I, I get it. Tage has had Lily some injuries. Has. So uh that's all I'm saying. Look, a hockey fan sparked this conversation. This yeah. isn't and that's a fun, it's a fun conversation to have. Well, um he made me think. He he made me think. Now, granted, in my mind, salary did come into play a lot of it, but I was still thinking, like, okay, what if they salary make- straight up? You're 100 percent taking Austin Matthews. Salaries at 12 million for Austin Matthews and 7.14 for Tage Thompson. Thank you very much. I'm taking Tage Thompson. Not even close. You know what I would do if I were the Leafs? I would offer Austin Matthews 12 million dollars. Make it public. Say, you know, he's not. McDavid makes 12-5. McKinnon makes makes 12-6. McKinnon's a cup champ. McDavid's the greatest player to ever play. Austin's right there. What's Pasternak making? 12? Pasternak is making 12. That's that's the offer. 113 would, points this year, 61 goals. I would say to I would make it public and I would say we've offered him $12 million to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. We know it's not a massive raise from what he's making, but it's $12 million on an eight-year deal. And we would love to keep him. 
Let him play the year out. If he doesn't fucking sign, if he doesn't do you sign, th- do you think he's okay. worth twelve million dollars? No, I don't. He's been hurt. I don't every year that he has played. Yeah, but he's had forty Almost. goal seasons. Every what do you mean? Now I, I'm gonna I turn get it. I get it. Back on. I, I turn your own argument on you. Is no, he, I, listen. The guy's insanely elite talent wise, but he has also been injured. He's injured and all I, the time. And I look at. I look at Nate McKinnon, who makes $12.6 million. You, you know, you got Nikita Kucherov, who's in the top five in scoring every year. He's making $9.5 million. He had 113 points. David Pasternak's making 12. Dreisaitl is an absolute steal of the NHL at $8.5 million. And Connor McDavid makes 12.5, and he's the best player in the game by far. You know what I'm saying? Like Austin Matthews is a player that is a top 10 player in the NHL. If you were to do a poll right now, he is legit a top 10 player in the NHL. Where he fits in money-wise, he should be making the exact same amount of money that he's making now and not a dime more. That's just the way I see it. He hasn't shown he hasn't shown me anything that yeah. he is going to be a winner in the Stanley Cup playoffs cuz you need to play a different style. All right. Well, twelve million. Take it or leave it, and then go and buy a couple players in the off season because you still have some some good pieces there. I really do. I don't know what the free agent list look, free agent list looks like in the next couple of years, but I could take a look at it and tell you that I would rather have, you know, three five million dollar players for fifteen million than one player for thirteen, because he needs to be the highest paid player in the league. Fuck that. Bye bye. Now, I know it's the old GM's fault that he signed these guys to all these deals. And that's a terrible fucking deal that he signed Austin Matthews to, by the way. That's a terrible deal that he's on right now, currently. That was the stupidest deal. And the I fact think that, he, that he was thinking that he would have won a Stanley Cup at this point, I really do believe that. But it is a okay. terrible friggin' deal. How'd that go? How'd that go for you? Now he's the president of. Hockey ops in Pittsburgh should be fun. There's something else heard related. I wanted to ask you heard what this is. This is a, you know, a little different relation. Um, You heard anything about Rasmus Dahlin or Owen power contract wise. You heard any rumblings? No, you, I haven't heard anything and it's surprising kind of radio. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Do you have to sign them though this year? Well, it's very simple. Here, here's the thing. Have you seen enough of Owen Power to make a decision to give him a long-term eight eight-year deal for a large amount of money? Darlene's a different different engine. Darlene, you've seen enough of Darlene. Yeah, Darlene, to- I would lock up. Power, I could I'd let him play. He's not going to ten million next year, so it doesn't matter. One year is not taking him up to Kale McCarr's number. That's the best thing. Get Darlene signed, and then it's like you're never going to make more than him. So then you can let him ride because then it's like I don't care what it is. Then you don't have to get into the competition of getting them both signed. See what Owen Power wants. Say, okay, go out and earn it this year then. I have no problem. Like, that do you number. think in Owen Power's camp with his agents, do you think that they're waiting to see what Rasmus Dahlin gets. Do you think it has any bearing at all 
on what he's going to get? I do, because I don't think Owen Power will make more than Darlene ever. Why? Because I think Darlene is your number one. Okay, so let me let me take this this way. You don't think that the Sabres want Owen Power to exceed the contract of Darlene. And let's just say that that, that, that happens. My my question to you is, do you think that Owen Power as a individual defenseman can outplay Rasmus Dahlin in three, four years from now? Uh, he, yes, I think he could. I, I would just like to say this. A lot of times when we talk about contract negotiations, we talk about them being you know, from the standpoint of the team and how favorable we want it to be. Because if the team has less salary... And they can get better players. The team's better, and it makes our conversations more enjoyable, right? So we're sitting here yeah. saying, "Fuck anything we can do to make this team better," so we don't have to pull our fucking hair out anymore talking about a shit product, which we don't have anymore here in Buffalo. But as an athlete and as a player, I would tell Owen Power not to sign this summer. If I was his agent, I'd say, "Play it out, fuck. You go get forty-five, fifty points next year." We're asking for 10 and a half. That's our asking number. Our asking really? number, right? So what the hell is Darlene going to... Darlene's he probably asking 15 for... 15 goals in, in, probably, in 73 he's points. asking for Carlson-type numbers, or maybe not Carlson, but, but but 11? Can he make... Can Rasmus Darlene make more than Kale McCarr? Can he make that? Kale McCarr is making 9 million. He signed that contract before he was really Kale McCarr. Like, he was like the young and up and coming, and now Kale McCarr's. Literally Bobby Orr, modern-day Bobby Orr. No one's, no one's, no one's going to make more than Doughty and Carlson. No, Carlson makes $11.5 million. I don't think that you can win with him making 11 and a half. I don't think you can win championships with a goal. But as a player like who gives a shit, figure, that's not his half. problem. His problem is for you to figure it out. From the player's standpoint, it's like, I don't care. To figure it out. Cap's going to go up. But Move do you not think players. that Kevin Adams is sitting in a negotiation with the agent of Darlene? And for that matter, let's just say that Rasmus Darlene is, is involved in the negotiations. What is the very first thing that Kevin Adams is going to say? I don't know well, how he's going. I don't know how he's going to say it. Uh, I mean, he'll well, say it in his way, but it's going to be along the lines of, we have Tage under this, and he should be. He could be making this. We have Cousins under this, and he could be making this. And and if you look at the structure of teams around the league, no one's winning really with ten million. Someone's going to win with a ten million dollar player this year. Somebody for the first time ever, ten million AAV. I would say we need to keep. What's more important, making another ten million on your contract, or winning championships? Winning a championship, just a championship. Yeah. And I think the player is going to say, oh, there's got to be common ground for both. And if, 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 and now this year, when someone wins with a $10 million player, no one's going to say, well, you're never going to win with a $10 million player because it's about to happen. Doesn't Florida have two, by the way? They have Kachuk and Bobrovsky. Uh, Kachuk makes nine, five. Okay. Okay. Bobrovsky makes 10. Jack, Jack Eichel makes 10 on. And Mark Stone makes nine, five. Yes. So, there is going to be a $10 million player win the Stanley Cup for the first time ever. 
But this goes so Darlene, to- so Darlene can't use the, so Kevin Adams can't use that argument. Because well, I, because now because if I'm Darlene's camp, I'm gonna be like, yeah, well, you know what? It's a good thing that you have Tage under that contract. It's a good thing you have Cousins under that contract because now you got to pay for my guy. Because we all know, based on the history of the game, that defense, your defense core is more important than your forwards. I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah. I guess Kale McCarr. Going back to Kale McCarr, in his first year in the league. 57 games. He had 12 goals and 50 points. 12 goals, 50 points in 57 games. He followed that year up with 44 games played and 44 points. Then he signed a contract. Then he signed a six-year deal for $9 million. My thought is like Owen Power, where does he fit in? Where is his numbers fitting into a Kale McCarr type Barkoff contract? Barkoff makes 10, by the way. Forgot to mention that. Barkoff 10, yep. So Florida's in the finals with 10, 9.5. And, and uh, 10. And 10. Sorry, go ahead. Carry yeah, on. so I'm just, you know, you look at Owen Power, had five goals and 35 points this year. He had a really good year for a 20-year-old defenseman. But Kale McCarr at age 20 had 57, uh, 50 points in 57 games, 12 goals in his first year. Again, it's like, you know, Owen Power, does he, does he want to try and hit a grand slam or is he happy with guaranteeing himself an insane amount of money, even at seven and a half million dollars, eight million dollars a year for eight years, sixty-four million dollars. You think that he is going to turn that down? If you put an eight for eight on his t on his table, and he turns it down, you know what he thinks of his game and where it could go. And it's also bad advice. By the way, terrible advice on his side. I'll tell you support. this, man. He turns down an eight-year deal for $8 million when you're 21 years old. So he would be starting this contract, this new contract, making eight for eight. He'd be starting that when he's 22. And then when he's 30 years old, he would sign a new contract. It's probably going to be six, eight years. So you're saying the silence is good or bad i think well again i think silence is good i think kevin adams um up to this point and what he's tried to do and what he has done has been a plus last little piece of information i'll i'll tell you before we get out of here i just want raw reaction on this 82 year old al pacino has a girlfriend how old do you think his girlfriend is? 30. 22. 29. 29. All right. So 29. In between. Okay. Good, good for him. Yep. I'm 43, and I think 29 is young. Uh, but good for you, Al. Um, and she is pregnant with his child. How old is he? How old is Al? How old is Al Pacino? I just told you. I can't remember. <laughs> you two probably have the same memory. 
and he's got you by about he's got you by about 30 years <laughs> uh, he's 82 he? he's 82 82 holy jumping man oh he'll be the pecker in the pants be... there Al. like what are we doing he wasn't even awake what do you mean she tied that thing to a popsicle stick <laughs> i don't know about that i don't know about that oh my god yeah, i'll be changing diapers and getting up oh, in the middle of the night whose diaper his or the baby's <laughs> oh my god he'll be he'll only be a hundred when the baby graduates high school god that's a tough one good for good for him though good for him for what for having well you know listen i mean able to just being able to perform at that age yeah Good for him. That's all. I'll say. Oh man, I, I can't believe she uh, she must have had to suffer through that. Combines this week. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve fifty two at the Instigator seventy six. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.